Hi there. Welcome to Tech Talk Weekly. I'm Bob from Creation Station. This is our weekly show where we take about 15, 20 minutes, get you caught up on some interesting tech stories in the news, and send you on your way with a fun library fact. As always, if you have any ideas that you'd like us to share, creationstation at brower.org comes right to me, and we'll talk about them on the show. Today, my co-host is Michael Bryant. How are you, Sir Michael? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for asking. Thank you for having me today. Oh, glad to. Michael sits in the next cubicle over from me and ta tackles all sorts of other problems and has to listen to my crazy ideas when I blurt them <laughs> out here. Uh, we're going to get into You've got some fun programs coming up as part of summer um, learning because summer learning is for adults, too. I keep pointing this out to everybody. Adults, too. Just wait yes. till you see some of this stuff coming up. Well, yes, there, yes, there's indeed. some amazing stories that happened this week that mm -hmm. I want to dive right into here. Um, so this first one is out of uh, South Korea. Mm -hmm. And the robots are taking over maybe because it's too dangerous for humans. Not really. Maybe so. Um, so what happened is South Korea had um, passed a new law at the, mm -hmm. near the end of last year that said you have to do these certain things, meet these certain criteria to, reduce, to increase worker safety, to decrease mm -hmm. injuries on the assembly lines and that. And so what happened is a lot of the factories in South Korea said, okay, and they got rid of the human workers and went to robots instead because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. there's no law saying your robot can't get hurt. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. I know. Tell me about this, Michael. Is, is, it, <laughs> is it a good thing that the workers are not getting hurt, or is it a bad thing that the robots have basically taken over the jobs? Uh, you know, it's, it seems like it's, you know, as, as I was going through the article, um, you know, it's always like a two sides of the, you know, of, of a coin. And everyone has their perspective, you know, I, as I was reading through the article um, and, and I noticed how um, one of the companies had like 75% of their uh, factory was automated. And their perspective is that, um, you know, you have uh, a, a more safe environment. Also, they have the ability to make a better quality um, device or whatever they're manufacturing. Yeah. But then the customer's perspective, of course, is, you know, yeah, but you're taking these jobs away. Um, but then you'll have the other side of the coin that says that, you know, these these robots actually create a, a, a certain amount of influx into yeah. the economy that, that will create other jobs. So it may not be the same Somebody factory Somebody has job, to make the robots and somebody they, has to maintain the robots. Yep. Yeah, yes, and someone has to deliver whatever they're making to, you know, to whoever they're being delivered to and things of that nature. So I, I definitely understand, you know, the both sides of the equation. I, I wish that, it, you know, just overall that we were able to just come together to have um, a better dialogue about things such as this, um, because definitely we want to have a safe environment for the workers where these people are you know sustaining injuries and you know yeah. we even hear about we hear about that in you know the some of the, the factories in any any oh, part yeah. of the world you know the, where there's certain injuries and you know you have the downplaying of the number of injuries that happen at factories and so there's always this room for dialogue and there's always a happy middle ground 
Um, because one of the things that happens too is that as a company perspective, this for-profit company, it, they're they're in business to make money, and yeah. if they if they can shave, if they can shave, so just one quick, uh, oh, yeah, if, they can shave, if they can shave, you know, some expense, they're they're probably going to do it. But what were you going to say? I was going to say, it, it, right, if I was following up on that one right there, because mm -hmm. it's weird that the one thing they haven't been able to replace yet mm -hmm. is the inspector at the end. Mm -hmm. They can't get yeah. the robots or the AI yeah. to do the inspection of the final mm -hmm. product at that one factory. Mm -hmm. They make um, capacitors and they make this super thin aluminum uh, that mm -hmm. they into a coil. Mm -hmm. And the very last step of the entire process is a human worker still checking that mm -hmm. because of the way the lights reflect off of the aluminum, they can't get the robot eyes to detect the flaws correctly. So they still have to use mm -hmm. a human to watch those flaws at the end. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the other things I, I noticed too in the article where it talked about, you know, some of the critics of the um, the law was saying that, you know, that it was too vague, you know, who is going to be interpreting um, you know, whether or not a company is culpable or, and how does that company avoid any uh, liability and the vagueness of it was just, you know, very, very hard for people to in interpret. And so, yeah. you know, you have all these things that need to be worked out. And so it makes for, and, I think. Yeah, and South Korea is a really good place for it because, I mean, mm -hmm. like the chart here shows, I mean, they just far mm -hmm. outstrip the rest of the world in number of robots per worker for mm -hmm. out there on industrial uses and stuff like that. That doesn't even count yeah. all the non-stuff. This is just the people out there for industrial robots working on assembly lines, et cetera. So mm -hmm. if anybody mm -hmm. can figure it out, they're going to be the ones. And at least yeah. <laughs> let them work the kinks out and then we'll bring it out over here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's exactly what is happening in the reverse mm -hmm. out in Australia. Okay. So Australia is using robots that they've in brought over from the United States and they're inter using some of the stuff there to help with replace their worker shortage for agricultural mm -hmm. workers and such. But the mm -hmm. problem in Australia is they don't have internet or strong enough yeah. internet across the outback and all the areas for to handle it for mm -hmm. all for all these new robots that they're bringing in there and being able to go and check all the food products that are going on, everything that's going out there for uh, you know, all the sensor data. We've talked about it on this show a couple months ago about all the John Deere stuff and how they're the leading AI company out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, crazy. I know, John Deere AI. Mm -hmm. um, all of that stuff. But it comes down to internet. So, mm -hmm. I it. comes down to it is. I know. It, it is just one of those. It's the mm -hmm. weirdest thing that they find. They did, and and, and as they and they have the co the quote here, you know, they they can get the stuff. Once they get the stuff, it's great data. It's mm -hmm. getting that data live that mm -hmm. they need. You know, it's, it's ironic um, when you were talking that I would I was actually having a connection issue. Um, there, it was buffering uh -huh. <laughs> at the moment, at the very moment you were talking about. Um, them having a connectivity barrier um, in Australia. And so, so 
you know, here it is, we're in the United States and we have some connection challenges yeah. as well, but maybe, you know, in those um, areas, they by far have a larger challenge. Um, it, you know, when this I was is one of those things that 5G article, is supposed to solve. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what I was thinking about when I was reading through the article. And so the things that I've seen on the internet and, you know, the, the things I've read, you know, talked about, you know, like the autonomous because I know you and I have a lot of conversations about the autonomous vehicles, and one of the challenges is with the the bottleneck of the data that these vehicles have to um, utilize in order to be effective and efficient. And so I, I was thinking about that when I was reading this article. It's it is one of those things. All the little tech stories that you hear about over the course of a couple of months all seem to tie back into these things. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've got robots in China. Mm -hmm. clone this this headline just alone is craziness so china is now producing cloned pigs using only robots and they left off and ai artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and the people like it because and there's a quote from uh one of the techs here that he, he has a bad back now and he had to retire yep. because of having to to bend over and do the petri dishes uh -huh. so much yeah that was just like uh -huh. oh <laughs> yeah i um when i as as i was going through this article um the first thing i thought about when i saw the title and started going through it i was like wow who wants to eat clone pigs i'm like yeah it just seems like that may not be the the, the best way to 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 to, to go you know I'm like, i like i just wonder about that you know they're still pig, normal. Right? This is not the artificial meat type idea, yeah. um, mm -hmm. like and those sorts of things, or the Beyond yeah. mm -hmm. company and stuff like that that does. These are just regular real pigs that they're raising. Yeah. It's just by cloning them, they can mm -hmm. basically farm them much faster, grow them, and do it. Kind yeah. of eats mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of pork. Yeah, and well, it is just wow. And I wonder how much of that is going to play if they, you know, if they're to perfect it and, and grow it in, on a large scale, how big of a player would they be in the exporting of it? Yeah. Because if you can drive down the cost of it so much and, you know, as, as consumers, consumers are very cost sensitive, mm -hmm. you know, then it could be much, much more attractive, even though it's cloned. You know, you could have some people who say, well, no, I don't want to clone meat. Um, but when you look at the cost, I can tell. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. I wonder how you, you, that's a good point. I wonder what the shipping is like. Can you imagine supply chain issues when you're shipping pigs? Mm -hmm. I wonder, yeah. do, you, do you slaughter them and then ship the frozen? Uh, I, th there's a lot, things I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're going to figure it out. They're, yeah. They, they, they're going to figure those things out. And, and like I said, it's just one of those things where you look at these organizations when they're able to drive down the cost so much and then turn around and that uh, cost is now you see that in the supply chain where the, the item is less expensive in the store. And now you have this, this parent who has to put food on the table. That parent is very sensitive towards that and oh, yeah. gravitate, gravitate to, you know, a lower price item such as this. 
Yeah, it's going to definitely be something that's out there. And as always, everybody, these are going to, links are there in the show notes for you to see. So you can go and follow along. And follow, I mean, there's three or four different links in this article alone to go follow about these d- different stories and going on. We have mm-hmm. two two other stories that I wanted to base. They're like, like weirdly connected, even though from totally different publications and totally different topics in a way. But it's all mm-hmm. about biometrics. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is from Wired Magazine, and it's all about what your voice reveals about yourself mm-hmm. and what people can do with that information and how they can change it and use it. And mm-hmm. also, it's not so much reproducing it. We've talked about that several times, deep fakes, where they can reproduce your voice so easily now. But it's using your actual voice Mm-hmm. to be able to do um, analysis. Mm-hmm. How do you feel today? You know, Are you angry? Yeah. Are you sad? Are you, mm-hmm. you know, it's all of those things that are there and then combining that idea of this voice stuff mm-hmm. with genetic paparazzi. Um, there's a wonderful movie, Gattaca, that everybody should go watch if you haven't seen it yet. Um, where they uh, are, where they you can walk up to a, a corner uh, store and check DNA and stuff like that, that on prospective partners and everything. Um, mm-hmm. it's the whole idea of protecting your DNA and what people can do with your DNA if mm-hmm. they get a hold of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you done any of these? Have you done any of the 23andMe or Ancestry, any of the genetic testing stuff? No, I have not had a chance to do those things myself. I haven't just, I just haven't felt compelled to do it yet. I, um, I definitely see that the, um, the benefit to people who, you know, want to do it. Actually, I saw a interesting documentary about um, this um, adult who found her siblings by um, doing uh, her um, DNA, and I think I think it was twenty three and Me that she used. And so I definitely see the the benefit of yeah. it, but I just I just haven't gotten to that point yet. Yeah, and part of the DNA thing was um, how they they caught the Golden State Killer, uh, serial mm-hmm. killer that mm-hmm. they found it by. And here's it's the main part of the story that everybody, if you've heard about this, mm-hmm. you probably know, is that they went into the database and found relations, to, and were able to track down this way mm-hmm. what the unknown thing is for most people and i didn't know this until i read this article was they put the dna up there on the website the fbi mm-hmm. did under a fake name mm-hmm. to connect the dots to who else had this dna and oh, so wow. we're able to trace back to the family that way mm-hmm. and they didn't need anyone's permission Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, you think we can go back to the, the voice recognition for a second? Yeah, um, tell me, tell I, me. I, because I, I know we're kind of running low on time. One of the things that I always was curious about, and then just reading through the article made me think about it again. And I think the article actually touches on this: is the concern of, you know, if I'm using voice recognition to access, you know, my 
password to my phone or, you know, you know, just say if I'm calling a bank and I use my password to access my account, what happens when the technology is so good that someone can record your voice and mimic your voice and then get access to these accounts? It's already there. They already can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't use so, any so biometrics I, for any of my passwords. It's all mm -hmm. has to be memory and typing and then two factor, you know, something, you know, and something you have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. The two factor, there's a, what's the name? Uh, you, uh, Yubico. I, they have those on little ah, keys. Oh yeah. Time. Those little UBTs. Yeah. Those UBTs. Yeah, yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. If I could mm -hmm. use it in the County, that would, that would be like really lock down everything. That would be awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, between these two ideas of doing, um, and also, by the way, as I'm not going to say the word, but your Echo devices, <laughs> that's one of the things we do in the library. We lock it all down with anonymous data and anonymous names so that people can use our things without being recognized. Um, I think that part of that whole process of trying to understand and as you said, it's a two edged you know, earlier on the other other stories. It's a two edged mm -hmm. sword because, yeah, you don't want someone just snooping on you doing this. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. do want the program to be able to recognize you when you're talking and doing things, so that you could have an interaction with someone mm -hmm. with a therapist type thing, and they will understand those mm -hmm. you know, hidden meanings behind your voice when you say these words mm -hmm. or say this you may not mean it that way because of the timber and tone of your voice and how you're reacting and things mm -hmm. is yeah, yeah well, it's you know, craziness mm -hmm. i think you're absolutely correct i agree with you um you know when you look at this uh, voice recognition you know when you go back to this double edged double edged sword you know on one side you have the person like me as a you know lay person using these devices and trying to remember all these passwords is so difficult because you have every account is a password every app you put on your device there's another uh, password and then from the company perspective um i i think you and i may have been talking about this some time ago where microsoft is using um facial recognition instead yeah. of passwords and and so from the company perspective passwords are some of the most vulnerable ways that these hackers get into their systems you know people yeah. writing down passwords making simple passwords one two three four five six seven is my password oh. and, yeah. <laughs> and you have hackers gaining access to these systems and so they started using facial facial recognition for their passwords yeah and and that's that that's one of those scarier things is because now you've given up your facial recognition you've, you've given up your your biometric data to microsoft and if they hack that how do you replace your face i know kind of thing i know and the last thing about this whole idea is uh, being a double-edged sword is someone has taken i uh you know i imf you know in, uh, in virtual fetaliz fertilization of you know being able to help people you know conceive and using that random dna that we leave around they have proven they can actually use it and create enough of your dna to mm -hmm. use it for fertilization to create uh not customer designer, but you could have a baby out there that nobody knows about because, or that you never had any contact with. Mm -hmm. It's craziness. You got to go watch this video and hear yeah. all about this.
Isn't it just wild? Yeah. And you know, I, I, what happens to, and I know this is probably going very, very deep into the, um, the deep that's end, what we do here, right? <laughs> but, but you know how, um, if you have your, say some documents in your house and you take them and you throw them in the garbage and now that becomes, I guess, considered like public stuff that, uh, yep. you know, some can just go into. So I, what happens to a human being, you know, their DNA, their, their body, when the human being dies and now he's no longer you know here with us he's no longer alive is yeah is, is he now is that body now subject where they can take dna from the body and do what they want yeah yeah there, there, there's we we're in a totally new realm where the laws are just not ready to catch up to this now the technology has so far outstripped what the regular legal frameworks are Mm -hmm. Nobody, nobody knows, and that's one of the really good things about this article here. And and, and you can see here where they start talking about what the actual um, frameworks are that exist versus mm -hmm. what they're suggesting needs to be done and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Whether you can patent uh, your DNA, it, what happens with discarded genetic materials, etc. So mm -hmm. again, mm -hmm. follow up on these links, everybody. Go read some of these articles and make yourself smarter on this. Come see exactly what's going on. Isn't it just some of the sometimes I, these stories just blow me away. They're just like, wow, like, yes. mm -hmm. I, I understand <laughs> like we're living in the future, but we're not. Or maybe we're just a little bit closer to the edge of that than other people really think sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible that um, you look at some some older movies and you look at the technology in the older movies and sometimes you're like, these people could never have thought about what 2022 was going to really look like. You see, you see some real older movie and they'll have some depiction of what 2000 is like. And it's like, okay, but they, they had no idea what 2000 was they, like. They, they were much more worried about flying cars and flip <laughs> yes. phones than they were about DNA <laughs> testing. Yes. <laughs> it was yeah. crazy. But Michael, you've got a really fun program coming up on Saturday. Tell us about it. Of course. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. We have on Saturday, we have our Juneteenth program with um, our, we have such a fantastic um, lineup of lineup. Of this presenters. looks incredible. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. We are celebrating freedom through Juneteenth. We have um, author, educator, Alice Faye Duncan. She'll be speaking about Juneteenth. We have uh, Dr. Brenna Greer. Um, she's a historian. She'll be telling us about um, the history of Juneteenth. And, and all of them are fantastic. And one of the things that we are truly, truly so fortunate to have her be with us is Opal Lee. Opal Lee is considered the grandmother of Juneteenth. Um, she is a Nobel Peace Prize nominee. And she is going to be joining us this Saturday, and it's just a fantastic opportunity uh, for us to learn about Juneteenth. It's a great way for us to converse, for us to see different perspectives of Juneteenth, to learn about this history, to learn about the library as a source of this information. And so it will be this Saturday at 1 p.m. It will be online. and we Everybody can join anywhere in the world. Yes. You got to yes. join and hang out with us. Yes, now, yes. You did pull off one other new thing on here that not many, if any, of our online programs ever do. If you go to read, click here on the program to go register, 
if you live in Broward County, scroll all the way down there to the bottom and you'll notice you, if you register here in Broward County, you can get a copy of a book. You can get the yep. physical book. Yes. We, yes. Not, I'm not saying the library check out from, which we want you to check out the books from the library. Michael uh -huh. here's giving away the book. He's giving you a physical copy of a book. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah. So we have um, different copies of books. Like, for example, we have Opal Lee and What It Means to Be Free by Alice Faye Duncan. That's a children's book. So all the, the parents, the grandparents, the uncles, aunts, you can uh, get a copy of it if you can get over to one of the local Bar County libraries. As a matter of fact, all you have to do is contact our coworker, Sebastian Perez, at sbperez at broward.org. Bob is highlighting it right now. So that's once again, S is in Sam, B is in boy, P is in Paul, E is in Ed, R is in red, E is in Ed, Z is in zebra at broward.org. You can put in your requests uh, for one of the books that we have. We have um, um, Black Smoke, African-Americans in the United States of Barbecue by Adrian Miller. And we have represented by Dr. Brenner Greer. We have those books available for you while supplies last. Please, please, please contact Sebastian Perez at the email address I just shared with you, and you can request your free copy of that book. And you don't have to come down to Main Library. We can ship it out to the library of your choice if you're here in Broward County. This is something for Broward County residents only. I know we get a lot of people yes. who tune in from outside, so it pays to be local. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Michael. We've got you're very welcome. We didn't even get to all the other prizes you're giving away. I mean, I digital projectors and also you people need to be paying attention here. Go Broward.org slash library slash summer. Mm -hmm. What do you need? 30 hours of reading? Is that what is that what I read? I I I think so, but let, let me third. I think it's thirty. I I, th I think I heard. Yeah, I, thirty but, but, hours of reading, and I could win a project. Do your own portable movie theater anywhere you want. Come on, people. Yeah, and 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 then they can they can just contact their local library. Their local library will walk them through the entire program. We we want adults to participate in the summer learning program because it's such a great way um, to show a great habit for. The younger people in your life, um, for them to see you involved with reading, um, listening to audio books, going to library programs, that you'll set such a powerful example for them. And also, it's a great way for you to spend time together. You know, you can read read books and you can talk about, well, what did you read? Okay, well, let me tell you what, what I read today. And it's all on, you can don't have to come into a library and physically check out a dead tree. You can do this all on Hoopla, do it all anywhere. Yeah, Michael and I have our things. We're on the, I've been on ebook path for a long time. Audiobooks, anything. Go attend the Juneteenth program. That counts towards your stuff there, folks. Come on in. Yeah. Okay, we got to get going. I, Michael, Michael and I could just talk for hours on this kind of stuff. This, this is what we do. Uh, let me throw up our final slide. Thank you so much, Michael, for being here. You're if you welcome. want to see your favorite librarian or library featured on the show, creation station at Broward.org comes right to us, and we'll see you soon. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe.